This is episode two of our series on Rhythms of Grace, where we focus on Sabbath. If you'd like to connect with us or find out more about Jesus, you can find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au. Hey, we're going to continue our Rhythms of Grace series today, looking at the, the rhythms that God invites us to put into our lives to actually fill us with grace, to pour out His blessings into our heart. One of the blessings that God gives us is a holiday. Holidays are a great blessing. Holidays are a break a rest from our normal rhythms, our normal routines of life, our, our, our normal responsibilities to rest. Some of us like to uh, go into the mountains and the hills on holidays. Some of us like to go to country towns. Some of us like the buzz of uh, big cities. Some of us love the beach. The beach is one of the places that I love to go on holidays I kick off my boots. I wear boots every day of the year because I hate tying up shoelaces. But when I go on holidays, the boots go off and they don't come back on for two weeks. And I put some thongs on my feet. When you go to the beach, there's a lot of thongs these days. I'm just letting you know I only wear thongs on my feet. I, uh, I once uh, was in the States and I walked into a shop and said, oh, I just need to get some thongs for my son. And I got a very strange uh, look, but just so you know, when I go to the beach, uh, one of my rhythms is to actually put thongs on my feet and to wear them for two weeks. And we've all got a rhythm on holidays. My rhythm at the beach is normally surf, run, eat, rest, swim, read, walk. I'll happily do that every day of my holidays and I feel refreshed. I feel restored. Others in my family have got a different rhythm. Their rhythm kind of goes, read, rest, read, rest, read, walk, swim, rest. And we've got a little bit of overlap in there where we find some time to do things together. Others in my family, it's just surf, eat, sleep, surf, eat, sleep, surf, eat, sleep. But we've all got a rhythm that restores our soul when we're on holidays. The only problem with holidays, as good as they are, and a whole bunch of people are on holidays right now, the only problem is they never last long enough and it's always too long until the next one. And so after two weeks, I've got to chuck the thongs off and put the boots back on and wait another year until I can have a rest. There's a rest that Jesus offers us that you can enjoy for the rest of the year. There's a rest that Jesus offers us that he wants you to enjoy for the rest of your life. This is what he says. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Then come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying there is a rhythm of regular rest that I want to give you so that you can recover your life and restore your soul. 50 years ago, there's a couple of cardiologists that uh, discovered something unique about those that were coming into their waiting room with heart trouble. In fact, it was their upholsterers who discovered it. You know, 50 years ago, we used to re-upholster old lounges rather than just throw them in the bin. And most upholsterers, when they would go to uh, to someone's house to, to upholster their worn-out lounges, it would normally be the backrest and the armrest that would need the work. Because when people sit down on a lounge, they sit back. They put all their weight on the back of the lounge because it's a place to rest and they wear out the armrest. But what these two cardiologists discovered as people were coming into their waiting room with heart trouble was that their chairs were not wearing out on the back or on the armrest. Their chairs were wearing out on the edge. People were coming into their waiting room with heart trouble because they were living on the edge of their seats. Even in a place where they knew they were coming to wait, And they knew that they'd have a few moments to rest. They were sitting on the edge of their seats. And these two cardiologists came up with with a term that's become part of our vernacular today called type A personality. And they discovered that there was a type of personality that was living in a hurry, that was living on the edge of their seats, that was driven to succeed, that was always busy, that was causing their heart to get sick. Now, not everybody in this room would identify as a type A personality. And in the last 50 years, there's been a lot more research into what causes heart disease. But I think more and more people in the last 50 years are living life on the edge of our seats. We're living life in a hurry. You know, full of anxiety and worry, never feeling like we've got enough time to stop, never feeling like we've got enough time to do the things that we know are really important to do. There's just not enough time, even though we believe it's important. We're living lives just driven to succeed, just wanting to get ahead, to achieve more, to produce more, to keep up. With the Joneses, more and more of us are living on the edge of our seats and our hearts are getting sick and not just physically. Our hearts are getting sick emotionally, relationally and our hearts are getting sick spiritually. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest and you will recover your life. I'll give you rest for your soul. Little sentence I want you to remember this morning. 
because I believe it's true. I believe these cardiologists discovered it 50 years ago, but I believe Jesus knew it a very long time ago. The rest of your life rests on the rest in your life. The rest of your life rests on the rest in your life. This this rest, this ongoing rest, this, this rest that we can enjoy all year long, it is not new, but it is for now. If you turn your Bibles right to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 2, it says, By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he... Let me just hear it one more time. He... God rested. Now, some of you are going to argue with me throughout this message. Some of you are going to get to the very end of the message and you argue with me. You're going to go, you're not going to heckle me, or I doubt you'll heckle me, but in your mind, you'll be arguing with me. You'll be going, man, this is a different culture. This is a different time. You don't understand my life. You don't understand my calendar. You don't understand my family. You don't understand my husband. The excuses will go on and on and on and on. Why you don't have to do what God is wanting you to do. I want you to remember, while those excuses are going through your brain today, God rested. The sovereign God of the universe who holds all things in his hands rested. He built into the very rhythm of creation. You've got to understand. Let me just finish the verse. Sorry, I, didn't, I got carried away and didn't finish it. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right from the very beginning, you've got to understand this Sabbath rest that, uh, that God is talking about right at the beginning, that, that he, he built it into the very rhythm of creation, right from the very beginning. Work for six days and then rest for one. This, this, this predates Jesus coming to earth in human form. This predates the calling of the nation of Israel. This predates Cain and Abel. God has built this into the very rhythm of creation. Every week, stop and rest. And it's important to him. He blessed it and he made it holy. That, that, that word holy... It really, it means set apart. It means different. This one day a week is different. I've, I've set it apart. And I've blessed it. The three blessings in Genesis 1 and 2. God, God blesses the animals. says, go forth and multiply. Keep giving life. He blesses humans. And says, go forth and, and, and multiply. Keep giving, producing life. And then the third thing he blesses is the Sabbath day. He blesses it. He says, this day is going to keep giving you life. It's going to keep producing life in you. 
There's a blessing on this day. It is holy and it is blessed and he's built it into the very rhythm of creation right from the beginning. It's really important to him when he does call the nation of Israel and he gives them the 10 most important things that he wants them to do. The 10 commandments. Some of us may, may read this commandment I'm going to read today as a suggestion. Some of us may read it as a recommendation. These are 10 commandments. When God said, these are the 10 most important things for you, Israel, to be set apart from all of the other nations, to be holy and different. These are the 10 things I want you to do. Commandment four, we often read as recommendation four, suggestion four. But let me read this commandment to you today. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter. They don't have any trouble obeying this commandment. They don't do any work around my house. Nor your male or female servant, nor your... I don't have any trouble with my servants either. Nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Do you know commandment four out of all the Ten Commandments is the longest commandment? God gives more words. He, he chisels more words into stone for this commandment than any other commandment. It's the longest commandment, but I would say today it's the most dismissed commandment, it's the most disregarded commandment, and it's the most disobeyed commandment. You see, even out there in our secular culture, I don't find too many people that boast about breaking the other nine commandments. I'm sure there's some that do. But the majority of people that I meet don't go around boasting about how many times they've lied this week. They don't boast about how many times they stole this week. They don't boast about how many times they cheated on their spouse this week. They don't boast about how many times they perved on their neighbor's wife this week. They're all commandments that are in the Ten Commandments. I don't see anyone boasting about breaking those commandments. But we boast about breaking commandment number four all the time. When we ask someone, you know, how are you going? If they don't say good, what is the next most common response? Say it again. Busy. We all know it. I'm so busy. I haven't stopped. I've been flat out. I haven't had a day off for a month. I'm just working all the time. I'm busy. And we say, good boy. Good girl. You're a productive member of society. What we should say is, sinner. You're a sinner. You're breaking commandment number four. But we don't. It's just become an acceptable commandment to break in our culture because we're living on the edge of our seats. God says, 
here, I, I want you to have a rest because that's what I did in creation. He said to Adam and Eve, he gives them a job to do. He says, first day, have a day off. I want you to sit back and recognize that this world is spinning and you did not lift a finger to make it happen. And I want you to remember that every week. And more than that, I want you to enjoy what I've given you. This is a bit I really want us to understand today. This is a gift. You know, we we often read it as a commandment to kind of argue with God about. It's a gift. God's saying, I'm giving you this gift to bless you, to produce life in you, to recover your life. I'm, I'm giving you this gift. I want you to enjoy this creation I've given you. I'm the one who threw stars into space. I outstretched my hand. I did the work of creation. You did not lift a finger to make it happen. And I want you to sit back and enjoy it. And I want you to remember every week that the world will keep spinning without you working. Then in Deuteronomy chapter 5, as they're 40 years later, they're about to enter the promised land. The nation of Israel is about to have a geographical space to inhabit so that other nations could look in at the way that they lived and they'd see the glory of God. They'd be a light to the nations. And 40 years later, you know, God repeats these commandments. Once again, commandment four is a long one. I'm not going to read it to you all again. Essentially, it's all the same until we get to the end of the commandment in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And God says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. God is saying to Israel, every week, I want you to stop and enjoy creation. And every week, I want you to stop and remember your salvation. Remember that it was me that stretched out my arm and saved you when you were slaves in Egypt. And I want you to enjoy this freedom that I've given you. I want you to enjoy this land that I'm giving you. I want you to enjoy this rest. This Sabbath day that has been built into the very rhythm of creation, God wants to bless us in the same way. Every week he wants us to stop and to enjoy his creation, to enjoy the wonder of creation, to enjoy the beauty of the people that he's created, that he's put around us. And he wants us to enjoy our salvation, that we did not lift a finger to make this world spin. Our working does not keep the world spinning. And we did not lift a finger to actually save ourselves. But we are saved by the same one who stretched out his hands and threw stars into space came to earth in bodily form and he stretched out his arms willingly and had them nailed to a cross, nailed to a tree that he created, 
Not because he'd done anything wrong, but because of your sin and my sin, he willingly came and took your place. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could be the righteousness of God, the one who stretched out his hands to throw stars into space, the one who stretched out his arm to save Israel from slavery, stretched out his arms on the cross to die in your place. And on the third day, he rose from the dead defeating sin and death to give you new life to enjoy this new life that he's given you and he wants you to stop in a special way and enjoy it every week stop that's literally what Sabbath means stop stop and rest stop and rest Enjoy creation. Enjoy your salvation. One of the reasons I think we easily dismiss commandment number four is because we don't live under Old Testament law. We're not living under the Old Testament law in the same way that the nation Israel were in the Old Covenant. We live under a new covenant. And Jesus himself got in trouble for breaking the rules of the Sabbath that the religious people of the time had put around the Sabbath. They had very, very legalistic ways and understanding of what you could and you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And, and straight after the core text that we're using in Matthew 11 actually comes two stories about the Sabbath. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence but there's stories about Jesus picking grain on the Sabbath and feeding his disciples, having a meal together. And there's a story about Jesus healing a man with a withered hand on a Sabbath. And the religious people at the time says, you're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath. And I love Jesus' response. Now, I always get it wrong, so I'm going to read it. It says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying this Sabbath was a gift to people from God and I am Lord, I am boss of the Sabbath. You want to know how to Sabbath? Watch me. I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I'll show you how to receive this gift. You see, we do not sit here today and follow the Sabbath to obey the law. We sit here today, if you're a follower of Jesus, and we obey the Sabbath to follow Jesus, to become more like Jesus, to let Jesus do his work in our hearts. Hebrews 4 is clear. There is still a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It says there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to observe the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath rest that Jesus offers is more than just a day. All right? The writer of Hebrews is saying there's a new rest we get to enter into through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross that you can enjoy every day. 
There's a new rest of walking with God and walking into the loving arms of God that you get to enjoy every day. And so he's saying that the Sabbath rest is not just a day. But I do not believe we can dismiss the day. Because God built it into the very rhythm of creation. He blessed it and he made it holy. And you actually crave Sabbath. You may not have thought of it before, but you want Sabbath. Actually, the world out there wants Sabbath. For years, advertising companies have been using pictures of Sabbath to sell us stuff. Now, whether it's way back in time, pictures of, of families gathering together and playing together in unhurried time, whether it's pictures of, of getting away, you know, from the, the regular pressure of life and resting, whether it's sitting around a table and enjoying good food with good company, advertising companies use these images day after day to sell you everything from soy-scented candles to fluffy bars mats to health insurance you look at the images they use to sell you stuff they are pictures of sabbath even woolies knows that if you shop with them online in an instant it's going to give you time to sit and enjoy time with your family on the sabbath we crave sabbath we we want sabbath we're built we are wired for Sabbath, the rest of your life, rests on the rest in your life. Let me just give you three particular areas. I think this is especially true. The rest of your relational life rests on the rest in your life. Jesus says this, a new commandment, I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I can never forget that scripture. When I was younger, I went to Boys Brigade. And on Tuesday nights, 40 boys would come and play stacks on and wrestle one another until someone started bleeding. And it was a lot of fun. But then once a year, there was a Boys Brigade church service. 40 turned up on Tuesday night. My first Boys Brigade church service, four of us turned up. And our Boys Brigade leader thought it would be a great idea to all stand on stage and sing a song to the church. Four of us on stage. My singing voice has never been good and it's still not good now. There was one microphone that was right in front of me. I stood there in my little blue uniform and sang, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. I can't remember the notes, the words, or anything of the rest, but it was the worst night of my life. But what I've since discovered is that living that verse is a whole lot tougher than singing that verse. Loving people? Like Jesus loves us with forgiveness and patience and grace and mercy. 
That's tough. It'd be easy to love if everyone was like me. I'm easy to love. Everyone else is tough. Some of you know it's tough to love like Jesus. It's tough to love the person sitting next to you like Jesus. Don't look at them, don't nudge them, but you know it's true. You cannot love people the way that Jesus loves people with an empty heart. You can't. You can't love people the way that Jesus loves people out of a place of emptiness and unforgiveness and bitterness. And you can't just change the condition of your heart with a click of your fingers. You can't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to love people today. You can't. That's why this series is so important. That's why this principle of Sabbath is so important. You can't change the condition of your heart. What you can change is the practices that you put in place in your life so that Jesus can change your heart. You can change the practices. You have control over those practices, over what are the rhythms that you put into practice in your life so that you can become more like Jesus over time. The rest of your relational life, it rests on the rest in your life. The gift of Sabbath is to stop And rest. Enjoy God. Let him fill your heart. Enjoy the people that God has given you. Sit around tables and eat meals. Go on walks together. Enjoy unhurried, undistracted time. The rest of your working life rests on the rest in your life. We need to remember when we're talking about the importance of rest, that work is also important to God. He says, work six and, and rest for one. And our work really matters to God. You see, see, our work is supposed to bring glory to God. Our work is a form of worship to God. Colossians chapter 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. People in your workplace are supposed to see the way that you work and go, I want what they got. But let me tell you, when we work, when we're angry, stressed out, frustrated workers, we're not bringing glory to God in the workplace. And when we're working with an angry, frustrated, discontented heart, Nobody in your workplace is looking at you going, I want what they got. The rest of your working life rests on the rest in your life. You might be able to keep working and be productive without practicing Sabbath, but your work won't honor God. God's actually not as interested in your work capacity as he is in your work character. He's not so interested in how much work you do, but how you do your work. 
I know some of you think I only work on Sundays, but uh, you know, sometimes you know, work gets out of balance in my life. You know, about five weeks ago, I was actually in uh, New Zealand for Queensland Baptists. And if you looked at anything in my calendar this year, you could have probably looked at that and thought, oh, that's junket. I got to stay in a nice hotel for Baptist standards. I got to eat in nice restaurants for Baptist standards. I got to meet with nice people for New Zealand standards. I love all you Kiwis. But I got to day three, and I'm stressed out, I'm anxious, I'm overwhelmed, and I was starting to panic. I was looking at all that was in my calendar for the next five weeks, and I thought, I don't know if I can do all that. I don't know if I can speak at all those things. I don't know if I've got the capacity to do that. And I don't get panicky very often, but I got panicky that day. And I text one of my mates and I text Susan and said, I'm not good. Please pray for me. I'm not coping. If I look back at the five weeks before that moment, what you'll see is that I'd not been practicing what I'm preaching today. I'd not built rest into my calendar. I'd not built a day just to enjoy God and enjoy people into my weekly rhythm. Every Saturday and Saturday is a day that I Sabbath. Sunday is a day I talk a lot. And it caught up with me. And I wasn't coping. And I was starting to panic. And some of you today know that feeling. You know it all too well. The rest of your working life rests on the rest in your life. And lastly, the rest of your spiritual life rests on the rest in your life. Let me be really clear. You cannot live on the edge of your seat and love God and love people well. You can't. God has called you to stop and to rest, to stop hurrying, stop worrying, stop wanting, and start worshiping. He invites you to worship him because he wants to pour out a blessing on you. He wants to restore your body, mind, and spirit. And some of you are living on the edge of your seats and you're living in too much of a hurry that you simply don't stop to enjoy the presence of your Father in heaven. Dallas Willard says, says this. You, uh, let me get it right. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And he goes on to say, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. You can race through the year hoping life will magically slow down or someone will solve the problem for you. It won't happen. It's your responsibility to eliminate hurry from your life. It's your responsibility to put rhythms in your life so Jesus can do his best work. 
It's your responsibility to cooperate with the very rhythms of creation that God created from the very beginning. It's a gift for you to enjoy. Don't get legalistic about the Sabbath. Don't, don't be like the Pharisees who says, you know, it's got to be like this and it's got to be on this particular day. For, for some of you, it might be a traditional Sabbath of Friday night through to Saturday night. For others of you, it'll be a Lord's Day Sabbath from Saturday night through to Sunday night and coming here to worship. Some of you have got all different work schedules. Some of you are in different seasons of life. And I understand right now, if you've got young kids, right now your mind is racing and working out, how do we do this? And it will look different in different seasons of life. And men, you might have to step up to actually, you know, help this to happen for your whole family you know take pressure off your wife it might be the other way around in some families but this rhythm of creation is to give us life in every season of life don't get legalistic but here's some basic principles some basic sabbath principles 24 hours away from work 24 hours, no work, no chores. There's been all sorts of uh, studies done about productivity in work. And, and essentially, they, a whole bunch of different things, but essentially most of them say, once you reach a certain point in your work week, your productivity just slides way downhill. It doesn't matter what you do. And for mo most of those studies, they've worked out it's around 50 hours. It's about six days of work. God built it into creation. Six days to do your work, which earns you money, to do all your chores you need to do as a family. Maybe even do all the cooking you need to do for a Sabbath day. And then one day to rest, one day to enjoy, one day to worship, one day to rest and restore your body, mind, and soul, one day to worship. And when I say worship, I don't just mean singing, I don't just mean gathering here in this place. It does include that. But worship is going on a walk with God and enjoying his presence. Worship is sitting around a table with the people that you love and enjoying one another, loving God fully, loving people fully. And fourthly, and this might be, this might be the hardest bit to put in place for some of you. And again, I say this is a principle. Don't be legalistic about it, but I want you to, Pay attention. Discard your normal distractions for a day. Your phone. Once upon a time, we lived without a mobile phone. It's possible. Just try it and see how it changes your heart. TV, social media, a day to put aside all your normal distractions and enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy good food, enjoy good company, enjoy good sex. It's actually in the Talmud when the rabbis put together a whole bunch of recommendations around the Sabbath. They said every Sabbath married couples should enjoy one another sexually. Some of you have just changed your mind about the Sabbath. <laughs> you were sitting on the fence all message. And just then, you nudged your partner and said, this is a good spiritual discipline. 
We're putting this into place in our home. Enjoy a good book. Enjoy a good sleep. Enjoy worshipping our good God. This is a gift. Don't get legalistic about the Sabbath. But I want you I want to ask yourself this morning, do you have a life-giving weekly rhythm of rest that restores your soul and recovers your life like Jesus promised? If you're not sure, ask yourself this question. Are you loving people more this year than last year? In your workplace, is there more people saying, I want what they got? And are you walking in a greater joy and intimacy with Jesus this year than last year? It might be one of the indicators of whether you've got a life-giving, weekly rhythm of rest. You can't live on the beach every day. I wish you could. But nor can you live on the edge of your seats and love God and love people well. You can't do it. Jesus says, come and rest. And I'll recover your life and I'll restore your soul. Let's just pause and reflect on the psalm for a minute. Just encourage you, close your eyes. If you'd like God just to begin that restorative work in your heart, just where you're sitting, just open your hands. Let me just read these words over you. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You're so blessed to have a good shepherd. He's given you everything you need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Maybe that's what he's doing this morning. He's telling you to stop and to rest. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I believe he's going to keep doing that this morning. He's just going to keep refreshing your soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. As you stop with God, he's going to show you ways to go. He's going to give you new visions and dreams that you're squeezing out of your life right now. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He'll never let you go. He will never let you go. He will never let you go. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God, would you come? Just bring an overflow of your spirit here this morning. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can I hear an amen this morning? He's a good God. 
He's given you a good gift. He wants to pour out blessing into your hearts. Just before we sing this final song this morning, it's just a group of people I want to pray for, two groups actually. I'd love you just to stand where you are so I can pray over you before we go on singing. Some of you here today, you just say, my tank is dry. You know, Jesus says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink, and it'll be like life-giving streams of water. It'll be like living water flowing from within you. And right now today, you'd say, I don't know that flow of the Spirit. I don't know that life-giving water flowing out of me into my family, into my workplace. God, come and fill me up. I'm thirsty. I want more of you. If that's you this morning, you just say, God, come and fill me to overflowing. Can I just get you to stand where you are? Just right now, just stand where you are. There's one more group of people I want to pray for. It's almost like this this visible thing I can see. It's like an open wound in your heart. There's some people here who have been hurt by the church, hurt by people in the church. And you are disappointed. Some of you are disillusioned. Some of you are carrying pain. And you know it's actually a blockage. There's bitterness there. You know it's actually a blockage for enjoying God fully and fully ministering to others in the power of His Spirit. And God may have begun healing, but I just believe today He wants to bring a full healing. He wants to heal your heart. There's a moving on moment. There's a moment where He can just heal what is broken within you. If that's you, can I just get you to stand as well? I want to pray for you today. I believe God's going to do something. Thank you. Anyone else today? There's been an ache in my heart all week. Don't miss out if it's for you. Hey, I'd love, if you know the people around you and you love them, can I just get you to gather around and just put a hand on their shoulder? Come on, just... Just a couple of people with each person. I'm going to pray, and maybe God will just well up a prayer in your heart. Father God, I thank you this morning that your love and your goodness follow us all the days of our life. God, you'll never let us go. God, you are here right now and you are healing broken hearts. And God, I pray that you would pour out your healing on that wound, that wound that is causing so much pain, that that wound that is actually brought some bitterness and some unforgiveness that has not been let go of, that has not been resolved. God, today I pray by the power of your Spirit that forgiveness would flow like a healing balm. Forgiveness would flow. Father, I pray that you would root out bitterness. You kind of like just, you'd pull it out of their heart. 
God, would you come and do heart surgery on broken hearts here this morning? Come and heal in Jesus' name. Come and bring new hope for the future. Where where there's been disappointment and disillusionment, God, would you birth new dreams? Would you bring new hope? God, would you heal in Jesus' name? Bring people around them that will speak words of life over them. And Father God, I pray for empty hearts here this morning. God, would you come and would you fill empty hearts? God, come by your Spirit. God, that thirst that's within them. God, as they thirst for you, as they thirst for you today and this week, as they sit in your presence, God, that you would come and fill them with living water. Come and fill them with your Spirit, that they may live out of the overflow of your Spirit. God, come and fill them with love fill them with love fill them with hope fill them with grace that it may overflow out of their lives and into the people around them God I pray for some that just need to stop and rest in a different way God that you'd give new creative ways just to stop with you I pray for for young parents here this morning God, that they'd find ways. It's almost like sneaky, creative ways just to rest with you and enjoy your presence. God, fill us up. Fill us up and send us out. I pray in Jesus' name. Hey, if you've got a prayer for someone you're standing with, just continue to pray over them right now. Just pray God's blessing over them. Pray God's heart over them. But let's all stand together. And we're going to finish this morning singing a prayer. It says, only Jesus, only Jesus can satisfy. Jesus, come and fill my heart. Let's sing it together. You're my constant in the chaos. You're my comfort when the road is long.
Jesus for me, for me. Only Jesus for me, for me. Only Jesus for me, for me. Like that, the cry of your heart today, just Him and Him alone. of how good you are. You're a good God. You're a good gift giver. You hold nothing back. You know what is good for us. You're a God who's chasing us down. Your love and your goodness will follow us all the days of our lives. God, would you help us to stop and to receive. You won't need to keep chasing us because we're stopping in your presence and receiving all that you have for us. We're not snacking at the table, but we're coming and we're eating everything that you offer. We're coming and just enjoying you. We're coming before the throne of grace with confidence. Every day we're just saying, God, fill me up. God, feed me. And you want to. Oh, God. God, would you rewire our thinking about who you are? You're the kindest person we will ever meet. You're the best gift giver. We will ever know. God, would you restore our soul? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, our prayer team and pastoral team will be down the front here for a little while. If you just love someone to pray for you about anything that's going on, if you're online this morning, just click that prayer button. Let someone know you'd love some prayer. We'd love to pray for you. Enjoy the rest that God offers you. Enjoy His presence. God bless. See you next Sunday. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.